0: Jesus, uh, as he does several times in Luke, is having lunch with the Pharisee in his house, and he manages to tell the Pharisees uh, what they were doing wrong. And uh, when he does that, he kind of gets to go to one of the lawyers who says, you know, you don't realize, but you're really kind of insulting us when you talk about the Pharisees like that. And, uh, of course, I suppose he's imagining that Jesus is going to apologize and uh, use better etiquette from here on out, but that's uh, not exactly what Jesus does. So, we're in Luke 11, Would somebody read 45 to 54.
1: One of the lawyers said to him in reply, Teacher, when you say this, you insult us too. But he said, Woe to you lawyers as well, for you weigh men down with burdens hard to bear, while you yourselves will not even touch the burdens with one of your fingers. Woe to you, for you build the tombs of the prophets, And it was your fathers who killed them. So you are witnesses and approve the deeds of your fathers, because it was they who killed them, and you build their tombs. For this reason also the wisdom of God said, I will send to to them prophets and apostles, and some of them they will kill, and some they will persecute, so that the blood of all the prophets, shed since the foundation of the world, may be charged against this generation. From the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, he was killed between the altar and the house of God. Yes, I tell you, it shall be charged against this generation. Woe to you, lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You yourselves did not enter, and you hindered those who were entering. When he left there, the scribes and the Pharisees began to be very hostile and to question him closely on many subjects, plotting against him to catch him in something he might say."
0: So, uh, the lawyer, I guess, is sort of trying to support his Pharisee host, and uh, plunges into the fray. Maybe he thinks that a word of caution will keep Jesus from saying anything uh, quite so offensive. Surely that's not what he intended. And uh, what Jesus does is uh, basically to make bad matters worse from their standpoint. He said, woe to you lawyers as well. You know, I... I had things to say about to the Pharisees, but uh, you, you've not done the right things either. And he talks in verse 46 about them doing what?
1: Weighing men down with burdens that are hard to bear.
0: What does that mean?
1: Making, <coughs> making laws. Yep. That everybody else has to keep.
0: <laughs> and not them, because they know the loopholes. You know, the Mishnah was written down maybe 250 years-ish, 300 years after Jesus. So we don't know how much of this was, you know, their law in Jesus' day. But I think it's probably not that far off. Maybe it's developed some more. But here's just a sample from the Mishnah. On the Sabbath, a man may not carry a burden in his right or left hand, in his bosom or on his shoulder, But he may carry it on the back of his hand or with his foot or with his mouth or with his elbow or in his ear or hair or in his wallet carried mouth downward or between his wallet and his shirt or in the hem of his shirt or in his shoe or sandal. That's the kind of thing you read in the Mishnah. and The Mishnah is like at least the copy I uh, have, have read from was like encyclopedia or dictionary-sized pages and really close-type, you know, narrow, small-point type. And uh, I think the part about the uh, Sabbath day lasted about a 100 pages of that. It's just craziness. And you just start reading it, and you're thinking, it's worse than the U.S. tax code, and it's hard to get worse than That's that. That's what I was just thinking. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, <laughs> it like, sounds like the tax code. And so there's all kinds of loopholes if you know them. And just, like, what in the world were they thinking? <laughs> you know, well, what they were thinking is that you have to, you know, keep people from breaking the law. And so, you know, you wouldn't want people to get too close to breaking the law, so, and, and you want them to apply it So you start adding all these rules and regulations that were intended to be applications and trying to protect people, spell it out in detail, so that they don't break the law. And they just went farther and farther, and then had all these justifications for ways around it and all that kind of stuff. You know, I mean, it reminds me of what we do in a much lesser extent when we try to over figure out what the exact rules are about every biblical command uh, I remember for example preaching a meeting in a church that had just split and the elders in the church gave me a packet of documents that they wanted me to know about the, their side of the the, the deal, One of the, some of the documents were written by one of the elders and uh, I, I think there was more than this from what they said but one of the issues was the elders and the churches, their view on modesty. And they actually, in what I read, said that modesty for a woman was covering the midpoint of the knee. That was the line. Well, you know, obviously that's like, how do you know that's the line? <laughs> you know, uh, we don't want to dress immodestly. But when we come and decide, I can tell you the exact point and, and the way it was written. I mean, they had various arguments they used to define the, the point as exactly the midpoint of the knee. Now, you might say, you know, covering the knee would be nice. Uh, you need to think about when you're sitting down and things like that. Obviously, we want to be modest. But, but to define exactly... And we, we can do that with various things. And a lot of times our motives are not bad. You know, we, we want to make sure we're getting right and we don't want other people to break the law. So we come up with, well, and this and this and this. And we tend to do that about a lot of things if we're not careful and go down that road. So they'd taken it to see, wow, this was just insanity. He also speaks in 47 to 51 about their relationship to the prophets. They actually admired the prophets. Which ones? The
1: ones their fathers killed, apparently. Yeah, the dead ones. They
0: loved the dead prophets. Why do you suppose they like the dead ones more than the living ones?
1: They can rewrite what they said.
0: Yeah, exactly. You know, uh,. The, the dead ones didn't pose any threat to their position and influence. When they met a living one, they tried to kill them. And in fact, that's what they did about to do with Jesus. And so the current generation, while they professed to love all those prophets their fathers had killed, forefathers had killed, they were going to finish the job by killing the, the current ones. And he said so that uh, all the blood, the blood of all the prophets, uh, that's been shed since the foundation of the world will be charged against this generation, from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zachariah. Now, isn't that convenient? A to Z. Unfortunately, that only works in English. It is convenient in English. And I think it's kind of the idea, but it wasn't done A to Z. Z is not the last letter of the Greek alphabet, not even close. It's the zeta, and I don't know, what is it, about the sixth or seventh letter of the Greek alphabet, something like that. Omega is the last one. It doesn't have anything to do with Omega. So, that didn't work. What I think he's got is the first and last martyr in the Old Testament. Now, Abel would be the first one, right? Anybody killed in the Old Testament before Abel? No, that was Cain killing Abel. That's Genesis, what chapter? (coughs) Anybody remember? Yeah, four. Who's Zechariah, and what book was he in? Zechariah. No, Chronicles. Second
1: Chronicles.
0: Yeah, there's more than one Zechariah. So the question is, which Zechariah is this? I suspect it's the Zechariah of Second Chronicles 24.
1: If it is,
0: the order of their books... The order of the books in the Bible is not inspired, despite our memorizing the order, and it's sure handy to we keep them in the same order, but it's not inspired. The order of the Old Testament books in Jesus' day was different than our order, and the last book in their Old Testaments was Second Chronicles. They had all the same stuff we do, just in different order. So Second Chronicles 24 is the death of Zachariah, so I think it's from the first to the last in their order of books. Maybe first to the last in chronology, but I'm not so sure there weren't some other martyrs after Zachariah chronologically. I think it's more likely first to the last in their order of books. It could be Zachariah, the other Zachariah, the one who wrote Zachariah. That would work really nicely with our order of books, because Zechariah is the second to last book. We don't know of Zachariah being martyred. That's kind of a weakness of that view. Um, and there is one passage in Matthew that speaks of Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, which is a real problem for us, because the Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, as far as we know, was the (coughs) Zechariah, the book of Zechariah, and we think this is probably the Zechariah who was the son of, uh, who, I guess, um, uh, Jehoiada. Uh, so... I don't know. Uh but that's for, for Luke's purposes, I'm cool with saying this is probably Zechariah of Second Chronicles. Um, so are we ever like this? Where we uh admire the dead prophets but kill the living ones? Well, I don't know if we got any living prophets, but I do think we can do this. Can't we admire the scriptures so much but hate the people who teach and apply them? <laughs> you know, we we theoretically we love the Bible. But if anybody starts reading to us things that it says about certain things, we don't like it. We don't agree with it. We just love the Bible. (laughs) You know, sometimes we can do that. We can deceive ourselves to think we're agreeing with the Lord when in practice we really aren't. And then the other thing in verse 52 is they took away the key of knowledge of the word. I assume they did that by perverting what the Bible taught. So, three things. They made impossible demands by adding all sorts of rules and regulations, they rejected the living prophets, honored the dead ones, and they took away the key of knowledge of the word by, by misleading teaching and false teaching. Thoughts and comments through 52? It's
1: not uncommon to uh, make a dead person a lot greater than any living person. <laughs> been to lots of funerals and didn't and thought I was in the wrong
0: place <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now they suddenly become a lot better after they're dead
1: I know and those things would never be said about them when they're alive
0: <laughs> and, and I think here it's it's a similar mentality they wouldn't have said this about them had they been alive right because they didn't wouldn't have liked them but when they're dead they're not getting in their face with it. Are we really open to what the Word says? Or do we just say we are? You know, and how do we handle somebody who's actually teaching us what it says? I don't like him, but I sure do love the Bible. You know, what does that mean?
1: Other thoughts? And You, know, you mentioned one. There's, there's, I think, a lot of examples where we try to preach the conclusions of our, uh, that we reach rather than preach the principle and allow people to reach the conclusions. And then if you don't agree with my conclusion, well, of course you're a heretic and that's why you have north side and south side and east side and west side of the church. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there a other sides that we didn't know we had. Right,
1: yeah, and that's with only three people in the, <laughs> <laughs> in, yeah. in the city. <laughs> yeah. no, that's right.
0: So we, we, we want everybody else to make the same application as we do of the principle. And we've got to be careful about that. You know, my application may not be the same as somebody else's. That's, that's a challenge. Um, you, know, and I, you know, you read that stuff from the mission and you're thinking... What in the world? How did they come up with that? But it it wasn't like that. I mean, it gradually grew, and it made sense at the the time. I think their idea with carrying burdens on the Sabbath was you couldn't carry the burden if the burden was the thing you were carrying. But if you were carrying it kind of incidentally, and it wasn't the main object, then you could. I think that was kind of their reasoning, which I'm not sure how valid that was, but you can at least see kind of the idea of that and then it just goes to seed. I mean, it gets... And you have to define this and define that and define the other thing. And, um, you know, uh, y- there are times to really appreciate the idea of a very strict application, very careful application and, and all that. I think there's a lot of times for all of us. That's a good thing. It's not a bad thing to do. But, you know, wow. We start trying to apply it to everybody else in every situation. It's like, well, how do you do that? I mean, you know, it's just, there's just a lot of things in which, well, for me, if I want to set a goal of reading the Bible for 45 minutes a day, that may be a really good thing for me, and I may need to do that. I, I don't think that's a, but now can I mandate that that's got to be everybody else's reading plan? <laughs> You know, I can say this is good for me, this this works well for me, uh, and so on with a lot of other things. Now look at what they did. The scribes and the Pharisees were really hostile and began to question him closely. I mean, they are really, you know, scrutinizing everything Jesus says, trying to trap him. I think they didn't appreciate what Jesus said about them, <laughs> um, and they were plotting against him to catch him in something he might say. So they are trying to defend their reputation by discrediting Jesus, and to do that, they're coming up with all the questions. and You know, they're trying to you know take things he says and does and twist them against him. It almost reminds you of politicians or something, you know. Uh, but but wouldn't it be unnerving to be in Jesus' situation and face that and Jesus handles it so calmly with so much composure it's just really impressive alright anything else on chapter 11 I see a lot of Jesus' interactions with the Pharisees as like the Pharisees trying to like prove a point and they have their point they're trying to prove and Jesus goes off in like a different field yes or to answer them and they get confused by it, and they get angry. <laughs> so that, that's that's always see a lot of interactions with. Well, every time they start questioning Jesus, it makes him shine. Right, He looks so much better, and it makes them look like bumbling idiots. You wonder why they kept it up as long as they did. They kept having hope that this was finally the question that would nail him. This was the unsolvable dilemma or whatever. That brings up another point. Like, some of the questions they asked could have been in another context valid questions but it's because of their intention they wanted to try to catch him what he was saying and if that's sometimes we have that intention asking questions like if someone disagrees with us like we start hitting them with questions trying to catch one thing and then oh they're proven wrong
1: we shouldn't we shouldn't be trying to Bring someone down. If we want to know something, we should ask it in love and with kindness.
0: Yeah, being more clever than the next guy doesn't prove we're right. So our goal is truth, not just coming up with some sophisticated way of trying to prove our position. Chapter 12, verses
1: 1 to 3. Under these circumstances, after so many thousands of the multitude gathered together, they were stepping on one another.